I heard a story of a church member who had went for some time without showing up at church. And this pastor, this one pastor decided to go make some visits. So he goes and knocks on the man's door. It's a cold winter evening. And the man sees that it's pastor and he doesn't say a word. He just opens the door and lets the pastor come inside. Well, the pastor goes into the middle of the house where the living room is. Beside a nice warm fire. He doesn't have to say anything. He just sits there. He sees that fire glowing and he sees the embers in there and he sees the coals. So he reaches over and grabs the the metal tongs and takes out a live coal and sets it on the side of the hearth by itself as the other gentleman watched. And there that live coal flickered, began flickering less and died out, no longer had the heat within it. Well, that pastor got up again, took the tongs, grabbed that coal, and put it back among the heath of the rest of the fire. And that coal became alive again, started burning bright. So the pastor got up, made his way to the door. The gentleman said, Pastor, Thank you for that fiery sermon. I'll be back in church Sunday. You see, that pastor didn't have to say much. He just had to show that man something. Sometimes the sermons that speak the loudest are the ones with the least amount of words. Who's got their bracelet on today? Brother Robert, what's the third word on that bracelet? Show. Show. Our strategy is know the gospel, grow the church, show the gospel, and go to the mission field. We actually switched around the order when we had Brother George South as staff evangelist, and we talked about go to the mission field then. But today is our final part in the church strategy about show the gospel. And we do this because Christ gave us our example in Scripture. And we do this because it's part of His will for the church. I want you to turn to 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. It's the same Scripture I read to the children. We're going to spend a little more time with it here if that's okay. 1 John 3, 16. The scripture says this, By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's good and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, 
but in deed and in truth. May God bless the reading of His Word. In your notes, there is an outline, or I'm sorry, in your bulletin, there is an outline for the notes this morning. And the first reason that we show the gospel, the first reason that we show love is because we ought to. I love that word, ought to, because to me it sounds like a country word. Man, did you hear that band's in town? You ought to go hear them. It kind of goes along with fixing to and yont to. Ought to. Fits right there in the middle. We show love, we show the gospel because we ought to. And as the scripture says, when we know love because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives before the brethren. Before we show love, we must know love. That's why this passage starts up. This is how we know love. God gave us the example. If you want to know what your marriage should look like, look at the cross. Look at the cross and the example of sacrifice, the example of love, the example of Jesus humbling himself to the point of the cross. And that's what our marriages should look like. If you want to know how to love the difficult people you work with, look at the cross. The cross shows us that he died for his enemies. The cross shows us that he loved us even while we were yet sinners. If you want to know how to love that difficult family member that you can't stand to be around, look at the cross. The cross shows us our example. By this we know love. Whenever we say, God, how am I supposed to love that person? The Holy Spirit says, look at the cross. The cross will show you how we are to love people. By this we know love. A young man told me that he was interested, interested in, in taking some counseling courses and, and studying psychology. Now I know firsthand because I majored in psychology. And I can tell you that secular psychology looks at the person to try and fix the person. But see, the problems in a person can't be fixed by the self. They must be fixed by looking at Jesus. If our counseling or our discipleship or our advice doesn't point somebody back to Jesus, it's in vain. If we are trying to find something within ourselves to fix ourselves, we will never find it. I counseled a lady at the last church I served at, and she had seen a therapist for 14 years. Now maybe some of you in here have been to counseling for 14 years and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with you. We all need counseling probably for 14 years or more. But the point is, there was never an answer. There was never progress. Here's my goal in counseling. My goal is three sessions and, 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 and you're good to go. If not, I send, you to something, I send you to somebody else because if in three sessions we can't find the Scripture and can't find the power of the Holy Spirit and we can't find our answer, I send to, to, to someone wiser than me. But modern psychology and modern counseling tries to help the person fix the person, but it's not going to happen that way. 
Because we will never fix us. That is why our strategy starts with knowing the gospel. And he says, by this we know love. Knowing the love of Christ is knowing the gospel. And knowing the gospel is not as much about intellectual knowledge as it is about spiritual knowledge. What do you mean, pastor? Spiritual knowledge is about action. There's a lot of college professors that have a lot of knowledge. But that's not the way it is in Christianity. You don't study the Bible so you can get smarter about the Bible. You study the Bible so it can take more effect in your life. If you got a bunch of memorized scriptures up here, and you know a bunch of theology, but it's not taking root in your life, it's not wisdom. It's not knowing the gospel. Because knowing the gospel will push you out of your comfort zone and cause you to love people, cause you to show love, cause you to do things which you never would have done in the first place. In the Old Testament, he told love, but in the New Testament, he showed love. You see, he looked at them, for years and years and years, he told the Jews how they should live. But finally, he said, you know what? I'm just going to come down there and do it myself. You ever had your daddy tell you about that? Or maybe your mama. She tells you to go find something in the refrigerator. Man, I don't know if I have some kind of like dyslexia. I know some people, they look at a book and the words are scrambled around. But when I look in the refrigerator, things don't make sense to me. Like the ketchup bottle could be right in front of my face. But I look in the refrigerator, and it's, it's gone. Where's the ketchup, honey? Where's the ketchup? You know? And she'll be in the living room, I'm looking for something. I'll say, honey, where's the ice cream? <laughs> I'm sorry, I just got myself tickled for a second. <laughs> I'll say, you know, where's something? And, and she'll tell me for 30 minutes, it's right where it is for the past seven years. I say, baby, I can't find it. <laughs> My refrigerator dyslexia is acting up on me. <laughs> Where my water at? <laughs> Listen, hold on. I got to tell you a true story. I asked this lady before church for ibuprofen. <laughs> They didn't look like ibuprofen. <laughs> Whoo! I don't know what they were. But I had an earache and it's gone. Whoo! So I'm looking in the refrigerator for five minutes and she says, I'm just going to come show you myself. She don't say it that way. I'm just making a point. <laughs> but here's what God did after thousands of years. He told them how they were supposed to live. He gave them the example. And he says, I'm just going to show you myself. And he came down and he did it. Over a thousand years of theology was consummated in 33 years of the life of Jesus. That's amazing. And I love this because it says we ought to. I looked in the biblical meaning of that word ought. and It means that we are indebted to show and that we owe it. You see, we owe it to others and we owe it to God to show His love. Notice in the scripture it doesn't say we show 
because we feel like we should. You don't show love. You don't go to church because you feel like you should. If we wait around till we felt like it, we never would. It has been one of the greatest damages of society to make us think that love is a feeling or that love is an emotion. God is not pointing us to an emotion. God is not directing us to a feeling. He's directing us to a lifestyle. In his book, Mere Christianity, the author C.S. Lewis wrote this. He says, do not waste your time bothering whether or not you love your neighbor. He says, but act as if you did. And as soon as you do this, you find one of the greatest secrets in life, and that is when you behave like you love someone, you will presently come to love him. I read about a Christian therapist, praise God, and this woman came to him, and she says, I'm so mad at my husband, I don't just want to leave him, but I want to hurt him. And he said, I'll tell you what you do. Before you leave, in the next two months, You just make him think you are the best wife in the world. You do everything for him. You love him every night. You give him hugs and you give him kisses. You just make him feel the best husband in the world. And then when you leave him, it's going to really hurt. Two months later, he came back to the woman. He says, are you ready to leave now? She says, leave. I've never been this happy in my life. She said, I started acting like I love my husband. Come to find out, I really did. You see, feeling follows action. When you start acting in something, the feeling follows. Feeling does not precede action, it follows action. I've been listening to a CD by Zig Ziglar about setting goals. Zig is America's top motivational speaker and he's also a Christian. But he says this, he says that action creates momentum. I'll give you an example. I never feel like going to the gym, but once I get there, once I get my gym shoes on, once I put my headphones on, once I start warming up, then I start getting excited. You know, all the way to the gym, I'm just dragging my head. Oh, this is going to be such a terrible day. I just, my stomach hurts. My knees are hurting me. But you know, by the time I get in there, By the time I get laced up, put my gym shorts on, get my headphones in, get ready to go, I start feeling good. I was like, man, I love it. But now I've trained myself to know that once I get there, I'm going to feel better. And the rest of life is the same way. You don't feel like going to church, but I guarantee it that once you get here, you're glad you're here. And once you've left, you're glad for what you've got. Imagine when you were a teenager... And your mom or dad told you to go clean your room, and you responded, Well, I really don't feel like it. I didn't ask if you felt like it. How you feel like running from me, because I'm about to chase you down. You feel like it now? See, but Jesus showed us in John 15, 13. He said, Greater love has no man than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. We don't do it because we feel like it. We do it because we ought to. We ought to because we owe it to God and we owe it to people. Secondly, we show love because we love to. Because we love to. 
1 John 3, 17 says, Whosoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? You can't exist as a Christian without loving people. I didn't say that it will be hard for you to be a Christian and not love people. I said you can't. It's not being a Christian that gives you the love of God. It's the love of God that makes you a Christian. So you say, well, Pastor Jesse, I can't love people. No. You spoke a non-truth. God can love people through you. Because it's the love of God which abides in you. And if it's God love which is in you, then God's love can make it possible. Well, Pastor Jesse, I can't do anything for this church. Exactly. You're exactly right. But God's love through you can do something. That's what we have to understand. We have to understand that it's the love of God which abides in us. What abides in you is the love of God. Brother Avery, who's a great soccer player? Who? Messi? Is that what they call him? Messi. Okay. Now... I can't play soccer. Let me tell you a short story. I played one year. I had one field goal opportunity. The ball was kicked to me. And in my reaction, I bent down, picked it up. (laughs) That's how bad of a soccer player I am. But imagine if Messi's talent and ability resided in me. I could do anything. I could, I could kick any goal I want to. I could go past any defender I wanted to. You see, because now I knew something greater than me resided in me. That's what being a Christian is about. Something greater than you resides in you. And all things are possible through Christ because the love of God dwells in you. Yes, you're exactly right. You can't, but God can. And when the love of God dwells in us, then we will start loving what God loves. The love of God will cause you to do things that don't make sense to the natural man. Seven years ago, I was driving down in Oakboro. I was associate pastor at First Baptist Oakboro. And I saw some teenagers hanging out at the gas station. So I just wheeled over there. The Holy Spirit told me. The Holy Spirit said, you know what? Go show love. Well, I rode over there, and I didn't have any gospel tracts or anything. But I did have Christian CDs. It was a contemporary Christian band. I don't know which one it was. So I pulled up and I started talking with these kids. And I said, listen, what kind of music you guys like? They started telling me some different rock bands and stuff. And I gave them some Christian music. I said, here, check this out. Never heard a thing about it again. Seven years later, I got a message. I got an email. Kid says, Jesse, I don't know you remember me, but one day at a gas station, you pulled up and you gave me a Christian CD. And he said, there were some of the toughest times in my life when I would put that CD in and listen to the message of God's love. And he says, now I'm a Christian, and now I'm living for Jesus. And I thank you for giving me that CD. See, I never thought another thing of it. I thought it probably ended up in the trash. But when you show God's love, when you go out of your way to show the gospel by going to people who you normally wouldn't go to, God uses it. God uses it for his kingdom. Those are the little moments of life that are so outside the ordinary, we think they're not really going to make a difference, but it does. 
Because the love of God is not focused on self, it is focused on others. I was sharing with someone this week that our church was not in the business of of selling food for profit. Everywhere you turn, some church is selling food or barbecue. If I didn't know any better and I was from India and had just moved here to U.S., I would think that Baptist Church was another name for barbecue restaurant. (laughs) Barbecue, this Saturday, $5. All right. One youth group I was the pastor of, we decided, we decided to show love to our community, and we decided to do a free car wash. It was not a fundraiser. It was simply a display of service and a display of love. People would drive up asking what we were raising money for, asking how much the suggested uh, donation would be. Some would say, well, well, let me just make a donation to something. But we would not let them. We said, no, we're just here washing your cars because we love the community. We just love people. Why are you doing this? Because we're Christians. <laughs> but we've become so associated that if the church has something, whether it be, whether it be a, a yard sale or a barbecue sale, people have become so associated that they, if they go to church, they're going to have to give money for something they don't understand. When we had the wrestling event out here, Brother George was inviting some people in the community. They said, how much of it cost? George says, it's free. They say, you got to be kidding me. You're having a free wrestling event at your church? Sure is. People don't get it. And it really puts them out of their box and says, why are they doing this? And there's only one answer, and the answer is God's love. When we go out of our way to show the gospel, it it makes people start to wonder, what do they have that I don't? Why are they doing this and not asking for money? Why are they doing this for no other reason than because they say God wants them to? We show love because we love to. Because the love of God abides in us. And lastly, we show love because we are commanded to. This is our memory verse for this week. It's 1 John 3, 18. It says, My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed... And in truth. It's calling us to do something actionable about showing the gospel. It's calling us not to get in here and just talk about it, but to go out and show the gospel somehow. And man, oh man, do I have some really great ideas for showing the gospel. I'll give you an example. Last Thanksgiving evening, we had ate turkey all day long, ate stuffing all day long, and we really needed a new TV. So I stood in the freezing cold, For four hours, waiting in line at Best Buy. I'll never do that again. (laughs) There was a thousand people waiting in line. And you know what I thought? I thought, man, some church needs to be out here handing out hot chocolate and coffee to the people who are freezing their backsides off. And you know what? This year we're going to go out and we're going to hand out hot chocolate and coffee. I hope we can have teams all over Concord go to Best Buy, go to Target, go to Walmart. There's crazy people everywhere. (laughs) That's showing love. People in our community will not know that we love them or that God loves them until they see it displayed. The other day, a friend posted on Facebook that there was these guys outside the highway and they had pictures of aborted babies 
they had a megaphone yelling at people who were at the stoplights. Now listen, those guys have more intestinal fortitude than me because I wouldn't be up there doing that. I'm not going to bash anyone that's trying to prevent people from from living a, a life of sin. But I think it'd be better to, you know what, buy a combo meal and hand it to them and say, Jesus loves you. Jesus cares for you. We care for you. I think that's going to go a lot further away than having big posters of dead babies and yelling in the megaphone. Now, maybe that's just me. I'm not, I'm not against the preaching on the street. I'm against to meeting that with action. We used to go at my church in Greensboro, and we'd go down to the campus, and we would, we would witness and we would share, but we would also take donuts. And coffee, I'm sorry, college students like donuts. And if they're munching on a donut, they are more apt to listen to you talk about Jesus. It's an amazing thing. You give a man a donut and he'll sit there and witness to you. The English, the original English word for believe was actually buy, live. When someone would say, what do you buy, live? Or, or they, would, they would say, what do you live by? And it would become to buy, live, or believe. It means what are the actions that govern your life? They weren't asking you, what is your philosophical thoughts of life? They were asking, what governs your actions? What do you live by? The word belief means, how do you live? Because if you say you love God, but your life doesn't show it, if your life doesn't show it, you really don't believe. And what it tells us in Scripture first, when it says, let us not love in word or in tongue, what it's telling us is, don't love in word. There's at least three reasons why. First, because talk is cheap. There's talk, talk, talk everywhere. There's news, Twitter, Facebook, radio, movies, magazines. Talk is everywhere. Talk is common. There's no shortage of talking in the world. There is no shortage of talking among church people also. And talk is easy. It's easy to say you love Jesus. It's easy to say we love people. And when someone says it, I say, well then go show it. Don't love in word or in tongue, but do love in truth and in deed. Do love in deed, which means love in actions. Actions speak louder than words. If a picture is worth a thousand words, then an action is worth a million. Think about that. And I I contemplated on this. You know, we have four Gospels. We have the whole New Testament. Jesus never wrote a Gospel. I mean, think about this. Jesus never wrote a Gospel. You know why? Because His life was the Gospel. Every day he lived, he was writing a new chapter through his life. His life was the gospel. And friends, we show love, we show the gospel because we ought to. We show the gospel because we love to, since the love of God abides in us. And we show the gospel because we are commanded to, because the scripture commands us. I want to end with this. Before a farmer plants his seed, 
He must plow the hard and rocky earth. He must soften it so that the seed will be planted surely. Well, friend, when we show the gospel, when we love people, it plows man's rocky heart to receive the seed of the gospel. Showing the gospel, showing love, plows man's rocky heart so the Holy Spirit comes along and plants the seed of the gospel. That's why we show. Let me close with this. Today we're going to have communion. Communion shows the gospel. If you were a Christian and you partake of the bread and you partake of the juice, you partake of the juice of the vine, it shows people that when we eat of that bread, we are partaking in the sacrifice of Jesus. When we drink of that juice, we are showing that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. But there's a problem. Communion is reserved for Christians. Maybe when you walked in here this morning, you couldn't take communion, but maybe before we walk out, you can. I want to invite you to do something. I want to invite you to trust, believe, and know that Jesus Christ died for your sins on the cross. And then by turning from sin and turning to Christ and trusting in Him, every sin you've ever committed is washed away. Our musician's going to come. We're going to have a time of invitation. If you're ready to trust Christ as your Savior today, I'm going to ask you to come walk down this aisle. I'm going to be waiting for you. If you're ready to join the church today, would you just walk down the aisle? I'll be waiting for you. I'm going to pray, and then if you're ready to take the next step, literally and spiritually in your life, to trust Christ as your Savior, I'm going to be waiting for you. You come down and say, Pastor, I'm ready to trust Christ today. May I pray?